If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnVest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with the top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Alexa Von Tobel. And this week, I want you to meet Augie Marietti, the co-founder and CEO of Kong, the cloud connectivity company. Kong is on a mission to power connections to build a reliable digital world, and it is quickly scaled to become the most widely used open source API platform. Founded in 2017, Kong's flagship software has been downloaded more than 220 million times. The company has raised $171 million from Tiger Global, Andreessen Horowitz, Index, and others, and was recognized as an Inc. 5000 company for its nearly 2,000% revenue growth year over year over the last three-year period. Prior to Kong, Agu is the CEO and co-founder of MassShape, the largest API marketplace, which was acquired by Rapid API in 2017. Before that, he founded Membox, the first European cloud service for storing documents and sensitive personal data. Augusto holds a BS in economics from the Catholic University of Milan and is the lead inventor on five U.S. patents. Let's welcome Aggie. Aggie, I'm so excited to have you here today. And I've read so much about Kong. I've read so much about you. Let's just start from the beginning for all the non-technical people out there that are listening. What is Kong in your own words? And where did you come up with the idea? Talk a little bit about the origin story. Yeah, if you think about Kong, is it's like the nervous system of the cloud age. We're on a mission of building the connectivity system of the internet. And if you think about what AWS, right, of where Amazon Web Services is to infrastructure, the Kong vision is to connectivity. And obviously it happens through APIs, which is the, the primary way data moves through a request response lifecycle. But really, every time you have a digital experience, whether you're ordering food on on DoorDash or looking at the maps on Tesla car, listening music on Spotify, connected with Alexa, how all this digital experience talks behind the scene is through APIs. And so that's that's like the nervous system analogy. And, and Colin wants to make sure, you know, we provide the spine and the brain, the central nervous system for all these millions of APIs that connect all our digital experiences. So I want to step back and we're going to get everything you just said, we're going to unpack a lot, but Kong blossomed out of your first startup, MeshShape. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was the through line or the theme between these two businesses? How did one blossom into the other? Just walk us through that and also give us a sense of timeline. When, when did that get started? Yeah. So MeshShape started 2009 in a garage in Italy. And the idea was to really mesh up different applications together. And that was the, if you look back 10 years ago, you have like Google, Google Maps meshing out with Yahoo Weather. And that was so innovative 12 years ago where you, know, you can click on New York and you can see the weather, the clouds on top, like a widget. All those things were really the beginning of web APIs. And so we built mesh shape, like meshing shapes uh, to make sure that we could build a platform for everybody to kind of create these composable applications. And that's how we started. And after a few years, then we moved to US 
we can talk about you know our our fundraising effort in the early days and the, we call it the the, the 2550 days of struggle uh, which is about six seven years but during that we noticed that really what we were doing we were registering a lot of those apis and so we turned it mass shape into an api marketplace where developers could come and they can publish their web apis or they can come and consume their apis and we build an api marketplace we raise a series a on it and we grew uh, that into, I think, was 300,000 developers and 20,000 APIs. By doing that, we started to build the infrastructure and the connectivity layer to run all these thousands of APIs and do things like logging, analytics, observability, security, monitoring. So we built the infrastructure. And what happened is in 2015, we look at the, at the asset that we built. Meshe was doing fine, but wasn't growing like VC baked growth. And so we decided to open source the core technology that came out during the years that we built to solve all our own problem in running thousands of APIs, because we thought that every company in the world eventually will need the same technology because they're going to have the same problem by running, managing, and securing thousands of their APIs. And then we open source Kong in mid-15. And the name of Kong is because Mesh Apes, uh, we came with Apes names and we had like 45 names. And Lucy was actually the winner. But at the end, I think Lucy, well, Lucy died in space. So somebody was like, well, maybe that, that's not like a good karma. So then the, the second runner up was King Kong. And King Kong, though, they didn't like because King, King is too much ego. So somebody wake up and say, let's cut King and let's just go with Kong. And everybody was like, yeah, Kong sounds good. So we Google it and it turned out that in Chinese, it means pure. So it's also a good name. And so that's how Kong as a name came. And then the Kong API gateway was open source in, in mid-15. But it, it's a journey of seven years behind the scene. So right now, API requests represent an astonishing 83% of all web traffic, which is wild. So much of what we do online is governed by APIs, but the average person isn't even aware that that's happening in the background. Can you just give us some examples of how APIs are happening all the time and we just, you know, every day, you know, using our, our mobile devices, how we take that for granted? Because 83% of all web traffic, that's, that is bonkers. Yeah, uh, let's see, like delivery apps, right? Or rider apps, right? At one point you have to, they have to localize you, right? To see where you are. That is an IP lookup or geo function that is delivered through an API, right? And then it goes into the maps. And then you have to pay for the food or for the ride. That's a, a, a payment function API. So if you look at all this process, when you look at, you kind of decompose the, the digital application, regardless of an iPhone app, an iPad, there is dozens or hundreds or thousands of services behind the scene, like, like really like a nervous system. And something does geolocalization, another one does payments, another one does the timing, another one does mapping, and another one does maybe, you know, fraud detections. And so all of those comes together. And, you know, as human communicate through and, and listen through the mouth and the ears, you can think that APIs is the communication layer of software. It's how software talks behind the scene to provide all this experience once you get on, on Uber, on Lyft, on DoorDash, or you take a Spotify music, there is usually hundreds or thousands of requests that goes behind the scene to ping the right data to, to the right API and then give you back the result. Can you give us just in real simple, basic education, how does Kong work behind the scenes? Because you're an API marketplace, but give us a sense of what that really means and also how your business earns revenue and how that grows. 
Yeah, so we started as API Marketplace, and once we, we open sourced Kong, it was kind of a side project. So we feel like our, our company was misshaped. We raised more in misshaped. We were doing the API Marketplace. The business there was taking revenue, 20% revenue share between developers that were selling APIs and developers that were buying APIs on this kind of long tail mechanics. And then what happened is that large companies start to use Kong to run, secure, and observe their own APIs, right? They were downloading it as an open source project. And six months after was healthcare.gov, Obamacare, was the center of Medicare of the call and say, hey, we're going production with, um, with Kong and we work with TurboTax and we need a commercial relationship. So we were on the phone and, and we were only 10 people in a basement. And, and on that phone call, we sold the first six figures deals to, to, to the central Medicare's and, and they, that was like a shock. And, and there was also a workshop that uh, we have to build. We didn't have it, we built on a plane. So we went to Baltimore. It was a funny story. But then when it came back, we had this 30 days later, we had this six high six figures checks. And I was like, that's the business. And then, and then at the next board meeting, we said, okay, we need to sell this misshape asset that we built. I know it's painful. We're going to cry. I did cry. Uh, that, that was like the first baby gorilla. And, um, uh, <laughs> but the, 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 the business is Kong. And then we sold Meshape API Marketplace to, to, to another Andreessen Horowitz company. Andreessen Horowitz then led the Series B. And then, and then we re, rebranded everything into Kong Inc. on August 17. And we became a, a typical open core enterprise business with an open source flywheel. And then with, with selling to the global 5,000 that are going through those you know, digital transformation under the scene. And that means thousands of APIs. And that means they need more Kong to manage around their own internal digital nervous system. I want to just talk about, just for everybody listening, just what a wild moment of growth Kong has gone through. So the software has been downloaded more than 220 million times, and your revenue grew by almost 2,000% in the last few years. What happens to just cause that explosion? What would you attribute that to? Going back to the kind of the same, the, the use case, right, uh, of what's happening in the world. So I'll give an example of, let's say a 35 years old, a pizza chain like Papa John's, right? Yep. They had 5,000 and 300 location as a source of revenue. That's you go and buy a pizza, right? Very simple. Then COVID hit, there's no more 5,000, 300 location to sell pizza. So all the traffic runs through digital or die. And so that to rebuild all their digital applications so people could still order pizza. And that means that to produce API much faster to then provide and build those digital apps to their customer because that's how you order pizza. So that's created an explosion of service and APIs and they became Kong customer. Okay, we need Kong, we need the Kong API layer to run our connectivity game behind the scene because the throughput is insane. And 70% of total sales of last year, they run through services that powers those digital applications. And in the middle, there is Kong. And so, and Kong is make sure that the nervous system run, your APIs goes through, they're observable, they are secure, they are manageable, right? So that, that's kind of the, the, an example that happened in the pandemic that are live use cases on that. I think all this, the COVID obviously accelerate a lot of this digital momentum. But if you think about it, you know, in the world of one of our investors as an entrepreneur, when you build a company, you need three things, right? You need a huge wave, a good, a good surfboard, and a good surfer. And the wave is the secular trend. And you need to kind of touch your life to a wave and then spend all your life trying to riding it. Our secular trends, it's APIs. Like 
If you look about 10 years from now, there's going to be way more APIs than today's, right? So that's kind of the secular trends that drives the growth. At the end, you cannot grow faster than the wave. You cannot go faster than the wave. So you, you need to attach yourself to a huge wave. For example, Stripe, they attach themselves to e-commerce, online e-commerce. I mean, how big is that wave? It's massive, right? So you just ride the wave. Amazon, it's it's uh, it's e-commerce actually. Stripe, it's payments. But they're massive, massive waves, right? Then you need a good a good a good surfboard. Like you have to build a great technology, right? Because you, you have a crappy surfboard, still you cannot really ride the wave. And then you need a great surfer, which is the teams, the culture, the entrepreneurs. Once you get these three together at the right time, it's the masterpiece. And and I think, well, I think we were a crappy surfer in the ten years ago. We didn't know what we we're doing. Uh, we didn't have a good surfboard because the technology was. The, the, the original technology was not what it was meant to be. It became then with Kong. And the wave, we were ahead of the market. Like the wave of APIs in 2010, 11, 13, 14, like no enterprise were using it. It was just, you know, things. So the wave started to really pick off with cloud going mainstream, trip containers, uh, digital experience. So it, everything started to happen through the second half of last decade. And so finally, this wave that we were like hoping as a surfers, when this wave is coming and it's finally arrived. And then at that time, oh, we also got the good surfboard, which was Kong. And we're maybe more experienced surfer than 10 years ago. And then we start to ride this wave. And then the side effect is, is, a, is a, yeah, 2000 year over year grow, but, but it's been you know seven years in the making prior to that. I want to shift gears to two topics. One is, you know, sitting here, you are phenomenal technical talent, technical mind, and you built Kong. And what makes Kong grow is, you know, making sure you have a sales muscle that allows you to, you know, again, make that surfboard ride. Talk a little bit about what you had to do to grow on the sales side and how you had to think about running the business, you know, and, and whether or not you felt like that was something that was a core competency to you. You know, our first check was an, was a Gov agency enterprise business. So we went all, we didn't go mid-market or inside sales. We went trade enterprise because that's the first we got. And so that was the motion. And we grow very fast on that motion. Now we do also mid-market inside sales. We're, we're announcing credit card models, self-service in a few weeks. But the really key is that we, we started to grow an enterprise. And enterprises, it's hard, right? And, and I think one of the most inflection points, I mean, Marco and I, Marco is my co-founder CTO. You know, we start very humble in our garage. We moved here. It was 2,550 days of struggle and all of that. We never thought that. Eventually, you know, well, we were actually right. This wave is coming and and we're going to monetize at first with enterprise. What we also underestimate, that was another inflection point of our growth, is enterprise sales. And I had to actually be the VP sales and run sales for five quarters between Q2 of 19 and Q3 of 2020. And also in all of this, the pandemic hit. So I was, I was both the, the, the CEO and the VP sales. And we were, I was running a 70 people field org. That experience grow me like no others. My blood uh, exam went totally all over the roof, uh, but it grows you. Meaning, I think I, meaning you, you weren't healthy. Like it just was absolutely, yeah. No. It was, it was, the board was, was, was scary that I would, you know, one <laughs> more I wouldn't book up anymore. Uh, it's running sales. It's enterprise sales, also running a company. Also there is a pandemic. It takes everything you got, right? When you run sales, it's high intense game. Uh, everything can happen at every 30 minutes. There is the end of the quarter madness. I, I grew so much. I don't miss anymore living 90 days incremental because you were living 90 degree intense. But I suggest every founder should do a little tour in, in enterprise sales for maybe not five quarters, but one or two quarters because it changed you. Uh, you also learn a lot from the customer. You, you, back before COVID, you travel. 
but the intensity of running a sales team, you, what you gain as a fund, especially when you come from technology and product, you gain empathy, a lot of empathy for, for the sales team and, and how hard it is. And I gain a lot of respect for it with my five quarters uh, in sales. I love it. And I'm really glad I asked that question. And then my last question was, so um, in just February of 2021, so just, you know, very recently, you just raised $100 million Series D led by Tiger. Um, Kong was valued at $1.4 How do you think about that capital raise and where you're trying to lean into? What's this next chapter of the business look like? We always say, like, how big is the connectivity wave, right? In the APIs, we think we think it's a it's a hundred billion opportunity. It, it's a matter of time and building, but we want to build something that lasts, that leaves um, you know small dent, and um, I think that's kind of the, the it's very still starting point for us. I think the the hundred million obviously fuel R and D and sales and go to market for the years ahead, and we had the opportunity to do that uh, late last year, and uh, and we just took that opportunity to to size and and riding the wave with the with uh, in building even a better surfboard as we ride the wave. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suite helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Uh, yeah, I want to switch gears on you and let's talk a little bit about you. You grew up in Italy, born in Rome, I believe, um, moved to the United States. Did you always know you're going to be an entrepreneur? It, it, like, does this feel like the glove that you always felt like you were going to, you know, like slide right into? Talk a little bit about kind of the early days of your life and how how it's transitioned to this. Yeah. Um, well, my, my parents still call me on when I go back to Italy to finish my college. Uh, <laughs> like, I disappoint them because I never got to MBA, but uh, to do an MBA, and uh, they try from time to time to to do that. That that's that's for. Uh, for example, is is important. I had I did three years and then I left and and then I and I moved to US. In Italy, it's three plus two. But I always knew that, you know, entrepreneurship is is kind of like uh, uh, how 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 it's the, the shape of how you make an impact. Um, there is different way. You can be a doctor. So you can be a different way. For me, it was entrepreneurship was the way that you can impact humanity in a in a tiny way, of course. But but it could be a, a good way to 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 even meet hundreds or thousands of people. Uh, and then work together through a journey together. And entrepreneurship was that. And technology is is the kind of the way that you can do entrepreneurship in an accelerated way. That's that's kind of the the, the deck. If it was a hundred years ago, it was probably different, right? But today's is that IT technology, cloud computing. And so, I was reading a book about Google, the story of Google, and Silicon Valley. I was eighteen. I just moved to Milan, and that's where I say, hey, that's where I want to go, because I think that's is where you can get that accelerated building it's about building and and that's what you can do in italy would be too slow for the for the market we, we were i was thinking and and that's that's all the plus one games about it and and um and it's about really building and uh with with um, with great people and that i think is what uh, at the end is the most fulfilling thing of entrepreneurship it's it's the win that you have 
even the losses that you have with the teams and the wins and um, those higher high and lower lows, it was fulfilled as you, right? Regardless of the, the economic results. But I think that's why we start entrepreneurship, just building things and techno and the passion for technology because they do change humanity for the for the better on the longer terms, accelerate the human race. I think that that's uh, that's that's what eventually ended up being, you know, the entrepreneurs that I have. When you immigrated to San Francisco, um, you came with about two hundred dollars in cash, and you literally said that you slept in parks or crashed with your new friends that happened to be people like Brian Chesky of Airbnb or Travis Kalanick of Uber. How did you totally get your feet underneath you moving to this new environment with truly nothing? Well, first of all, if I if I have to redo it again, I probably won't be able to. I don't know how that happened. It's like that singularity in time and moment that just went that way. If you ask me to redo it, I don't know. Um, but what happened is we had to move here and the TechCrunch 50 was uh, the call was called TechCrunch 50. We're doing the the conference and and um, I call from my mom apartment. I call call Travis Kalani, which he put like some couch for TechCrunch to sleep at his place. Uh, and we didn't have money to stay. So I called calling. We had like 10, he had like 10 applicants and he, he picked us. I don't know why, but he picks Marco and I. And then we went to, and then I, and then I come back to Travis house a couple of times later because we had to do, go back and forth with three months. But that inflection point of meeting Travis and, and be at the gem pad was called where he was called. It was talking a lot of entrepreneurs. Uh, Uber was just getting started, but it was not hands-on day to day. Uh, but I got my welcome to the Valley on how things work. I was barely speaking English. And, and that, that meeting turns out to be very valuable a year later where we had to raise our, our, our angel round and we negotiated at Travis Kalani kitchen. It was me and Travis on one side and the YouTube investors on the other side. And then they wanted to leave. He locked them in. We went to the restaurant so they could negotiate. We would come back and then we finally shake the hand for 50K. If I think that Travis, did, it would probably that thing didn't even close ever. I wouldn't be here talking to you. So, so it's like all these inflection points happen. And then, um, and then again, when I had to come back to the US, I couldn't bother Travis every time. And like even the, the girlfriend back then was starting to get annoyed. So what <laughs> happened is uh, Airbnb was getting started and there were like 10 people in, in Roush Street and um, on six, uh, on, on, at the beginning of Roush. And, um, and um, you could book their couch in the office in Airbnb. And then I booked... I booked that for like 70, 35 bucks a night, something like that. And, and I started to sleep a few, several weeks. I was, we, we were going to, I was working with them basically on Mache, but uh, there, on the other side, I had Brian, Joe, Nate and, and five Airbnb, earlier Airbnbs. And then we're going to play recess together. So I also got into the, their Airbnb early days and they help a lot with, you know, giving the value of design. I didn't care about design at all. I learned by looking at uh, the marketplace and building communities, which then eventually, you know, building developer communities with Kong. But still, I learned designing community from them, which turned it valuable years later. Um, and so, yes, that was good couch surfing, a lot of struggle. It lasts way longer, last two years. We didn't have any payroll from, from 2009 to 2012. We have no payroll. Uh, uh, so we, we were sleeping, you know, like the pursuit of happiness. I think the only thing we didn't do is selling blood. But everything else in that movie, we probably experienced. Just quick last questions on you. What's your hack for staying sane? So like when, when you need to catch your breath, when you need, just how do you keep your own personal train on the tracks? What's your outlet? I always been cooking since I'm five years old. Cooking for me is, so I divide the, the humanity between artists and scientists. That's also what I learned from, you know, that divorce. But, but um, artists make decisions with the heart. 
and they are qualitative making decisions. The scientists make decisions with the brain and they're quantitative when they make decisions. The world needs both. A company needs both. A team needs both. You need to have a good equilibrium. But that's how I look the lenses every time I interview somebody or meet somebody. And I'm merely an artist. So then you want to also put some artists, some scientists. But cooking for me is also that artist moment where my brain shut off and I just cook, right? And I cook all sorts of things. Um, uh, mainly Italian food, but I also do sushi, but most of the repeatable things are all sort of Italian stuff. And that's like my 45 minutes, one hour where it goes. And I do it multiple times a week, three or four times a week. I want to quickly transition to my last few questions. Number one, what's the best pinch me moment you've ever had at Kong? Well, one that was many years ago, but as a company, we were small, right? We were 10, 15, but it's been, they, the inflection is the pivot where we took we call it the renaissance here where we had to either keep doing what we're doing and die or have the courage to change directions and we without hesitation we take a chance and i think from there it built a great culture to these days of very humble because when you're in tech things change so fast yeah api stays but protocol technologies might change and you have to be very humble to have low ego and keep that curiosity so over time, the, the things that I'm most proud of is probably the culture of Kong that built from also that inception, but but it's a very curious culture. And I think curiosity is the most underrated too. Um, and if, if you have you know hundreds of people that are curious, you're you're quite unstoppable, right? Because you're always learning, you always have low ego. So that's the most prouder thing is the culture that we built um, with a lot of curious Kongers. Fast forward two years, how many days a week do you think we'll be in an office? Two or three. Okay. Yeah, yeah, two, two or three days. I mean, some, some, some business they have to, you know, go in the mining business. I get to, but like in IT and software, yeah, I think, I think two or three. Uh, that's my answer too. Um, I want to quickly talk about through COVID. Um, one new product. It can be anything. It can be food. Anything. One new product or app or technology that you learned about that you're obsessed with. Uh, well, I use, I use now. Um, this is a, maybe this is, a, is another spiritual moment um at the end of each quarter i do fasting so i don't eat for three days to clean up the body reset the metabolism and you go in ketos you know you start to burn your fat you don't you know, and also get a little bit of that pain from we were on sleeping on the benches <laughs> and um and i have an app and i have the you know there's a lot of apps that now discovering to 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 do your fasting and tells you where you are in the moment um of of fastings and I think I think that that's uh, we didn't have any fasting apps two three years ago. What's the app <laughs> you love? What's it called? Uh, fasting simple, yeah. Um, by the way, no, but like, like I don't I don't encourage to you know brother your mind to try. It's like it's it's quite intense, uh, but it's cool because it tells you okay now you're like now your brain shift from asking from sugar from e eating the the fat cells. And so, you know, okay, that's what's happening in my body. Now you're you're doing immune cell regenerations. That's what's happening in, in your body right now. Now you're resetting the metabolism. So it tells you exactly where you are at that, at that, at that, at that, at that, um, at any given time, um, which is, which is, which is cool. Um, download it immediately. Um, last question. When you're interviewing somebody for your team and you're just trying to really get to, what's your favorite question to ask somebody? I asked three questions. So it, it depends obviously if it's an executive interview or or kind of things, right? But I ask, um, uh, generally I ask three, three main questions. Uh, number one, 
Actually, I should not if I say then somebody hears they will they will get preemptive. But not, not, <laughs> number one, I asked about their, their inflection point in life. Not don't tell me your story on LinkedIn with the, you know the 10 companies, but like the inflection point on what made you who you are today, right? Like like for example, me, I'm have to move to US. So so there are inflection point in people's life that made you who you are today, right? Like you, you have Alexa two or three inflection point and made you who you are today. So I want to know about those. And what happened and what made you, why you became an engineer versus like, what is the inflection that made you? Um, that's one. The second is what books are you reading or podcasts or, or audiobooks, whatever is the latest thing that you learn to understand it, what, it, what they're curious about in that moment. And then the third, um, and, and this, yeah, the, the third question, it's about what did they learn from their parents? So that one assess like they, they're usually the first mentors in your life, right? So, so understanding what they learn, I know then how, how they kind of, what, what it matters to them, like at the first principle thinking. Um, so that, those are the three things that I ask all the time. But I also ask things like, you know, if you wear a product, what's your value proposition? That, that's a super funny one. Uh, but but the, the, the other three things are, are and, and then you need to see the grit, right? I think that's the most important thing is, is, the, is the grit. Um, the, the, then we didn't touch that here, but there is probably that's another. We could do another another session on, on how how we got Jeff Bezos in the cap table. Um, but that 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 was a, that was ten years ago. But still, he's still in the cap table today. And like uh, that, there's there's some of the story that again, if you look at back, it's all about the grit, right? And I think I think that's just a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a it's the key thing that you want to understand when you're interviewing someone. First of all, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so sad that we have to be done. I feel like I could sit here for two more hours. For everybody out there, um, if you want to learn more about Kong, check out konghq.com. And you can join us next week for Inc. The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. And again, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Alexa.